From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Tuesday, August 27, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast, and we just felt like bringing the party this week. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios. I'm enunciating that better now. I noticed when I listen back, I run through that. Our Orlando. Uh, no, you don't need to enunciate. Watch. Go ahead. Call on me. Here with me in our Orlando studio, on the ones and twos, our illustrious brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Gatorland, Florida, Eddie Big Hat Koffeltz. Well, I'm an enunciate. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> from Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. See, I notice, like, I notice when we do the same thing all the time, autopilot, I just yeah. kind of like rush through the words. And I heard the podcast last week and I was like, I literally blended four words right there. So... It does to do become it. kind of liturgical. Everyone's yeah. got to step yeah. back and go like, what am I saying? Oh, what, that's is, right. what is actually happening here? I am going to do better. Uh, a little behind the scenes for our uh, our lovely listeners. Thank you for joining us today, by the way. Uh, we've had a weird morning. So <laughs> yes. yeah. all, all the tech... All the tech that could go wrong has gone wrong. Yeah. In terms of tech going wrong, we don't want to point fingers. But... <laughs> Chandler, what did you yeah. do to the internet in Virginia? <laughs> it's because it's been on the fritz the today. The whole Commonwealth is on the fritz. You tripped over something down there, didn't you? The connector? The connector between between the South? Thanks a lot, Chandler. Be... The connector between the South. <laughs> I tripped on it. I did not see. The I old Civil this War morning. line. We remember. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just it just runs right through people's yards all the way up here. So, <laughs> my God, Chandler hit it. With, Chandler hit it with a weed whacker last uh, last night. So, thanks, dude. We uh, have a great show in store for you. Uh, I, I I was reminded on Twitter this week that I I say we have a great show for you coming up later, and I reveal the guest. And a Twitter listener said. You know when we clicked the episode, we saw who the guest was or is. You know what I mean? Interesting. It's like, yeah, interesting. But we oh. also we assume you don't read or can't read, so <laughs> we give it to you in audiobook form. And you have that that weird disorder where you can't recognize faces. I'm sorry if anyone has that. Yeah, that's clearly. This is for those also, listeners. Start your own beloved there. podcast. Speaking of faces, did you guys notice we updated the relevant podcast uh, cover we art? I yeah. love that picture of us so much. All of our faces. I didn't see it. it. Which one is it? It's, it's the, the couch one where you're, yeah. one where I'm you're looking at Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. It's delightful. I was I was a real delight in that photo. So <laughs> I, I approve heartily. I'm just happy that Tyler's not in that picture uh, because <laughs> while he is often on the show and he's on it more than me, he is. And please, let's remind him of this on Twitter. He's not as beloved. <laughs> I don't care if he goes viral this week. He's just not. Yeah. He not sure he did, a, didn't he? He had a nice viral sure moment. Did. He was, you know, he he tweeted. You know, here's the thing: we all have our, our different lanes on on Twitter. Mine is uh, like twice a year. I'll do a joke. Uh, Annie <laughs> is uh, always delightful. Uh, 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 Cameron, you kind of pick your spots here and there. If you got something to tweet about, uh, uh, Eddie, I know you like re- responding to people. Tyler goes for the hot takes. He does. <laughs> uh, and this weekend, yeah, he went viral with a with a tweet about our president and our president's 
uh, Bible <laughs> knowledge or lack thereof. We don't know because he yeah. refused to say his favorite Bible verse. But uh, yeah, Tyler, uh, you know, he was all over the Internet this week. So he really was. We all of a sudden it was uh, people. I forget what his name is from the Roots is retweeting him. And I'm like, what is going on? Wait, the guy on? from Roots retweeted him? The main guy? No, no, not Quest. Not Quest. Yeah, uh, but, but, but still Black a thought? Root. Yeah. Oh, no, root. not Black Ow, A Root retweeted. <laughs> Yeah, James, I think James uh, is it Poisoner or Point? Uh, yeah. I, think, yeah. I was on an air. I was on a flight with him one time. Very nice guy. Very I'm sure, <laughs> lovely. All I gave him roots. a hat. To, I gave him. I gave him a little a look and a point. Like I know who you are, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to blow up your spot. And he kind of nodded his head like, "Thanks, Chief." Thanks, yeah, cool. very polite. <laughs> That's really very cool. Polite. Very is, polite. It, is that what you do when you see a celebrity in the wild? You just kind of do the. I see you. I never. But... I never. Yeah. Well, it depends if I if I can corner them. Uh, I will. And I will talk to them. You right. know, like really? I, that, has, that that happened with Questlove. I, I saw him uh, at an airport and I chit chat with him for a sec. Same with with uh, Michael Vick, hometown. Oh, I love Michael Vick. Michael I know. Me too. Vick. And he's you very cool. Michael Vick. I did. I, I would did. too. I would too. But if 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 I can't get them alone, I'm not going to just approach them and and make their whole scene awkward. So that's, right, that's right, typically right. my strategy. I, I'm so. bad at that. I've never I've never been successful in the. Uh, well, no, no, no. That's not true. One time I was in an airport security line with Kanye and struck up a conversation. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because you guys were both on like a sixty uh, minutes. You were both interviewed for like a sixty was, minutes piece. It was right? the only. I had the. It was the one week of my life I had an in an icebreaker to say hello to Kanye. It was that week. This was like two thousand four. Jesus walks had blown up. And that week, 60 Minutes did a segment on like crossover Christian music, secular music. So like POD was on it. Jesus Walks was highlighted and maybe Switchfoot or something. Maybe not. So I forget who. And I was the color commentary because irrelevant. Like, they, yeah. you know, they interviewed me. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm and then on that it aired on a on that Sunday. And then like on Wednesday, I'm at LAX in line with Kanye. Like literally, he's the person in front of me. And I said, Excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but did you happen to see the 60 minute segment that you were on this week? I mean, when am I ever going to have an opening like that? Yeah, right. He goes, Perfect. He goes like, no, I haven't seen it yet. And he kind of like turned back, like, don't talk to me. And I said, oh, OK, well, I was actually on it with you. And then he's like, oh, oh, oh what's okay. up? Now, and he like yeah. turned and we talked for like 20 minutes. He's a nice guy. That was the last time he ever flew a pro- commercial. Like, I know. It's yeah. true. It's right, 2004. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Mentioned Kanye West in the wild. There's a picture of him that was floating around Twitter this weekend of there's a, a woman. She is seated at a table at the Cheesecake Factory and she is taking she's trying to covertly take a picture of behind her and the person at the table is taking the picture of her covertly taking the picture and standing <laughs> behind her is Kanye West looking directly at their cameras. He knows that they're taking yeah. a picture of him at the Cheesecake Factory. You know, yeah. at that point, just say something. Don't be weird about it. He knows everyone's taking pictures. Just mm-hmm. walk over, get him a slice of an exotic cheesecake and say, nice to meet you, sir. An Enjoy this dessert cheesecake. on What's- me. Give me, me give me three options of an exotic cheesecake, Jesse. Three have flavors. You, have you been have you been to Cheesecake Factory? Yeah, yeah. I want to know what you define as exotic. So that's why I'm asking. Give me anything three of that's the just exotics. Not, anything that's just not cheesecake. They, Oreo they, yeah, is yeah. an exotic. Oreo is just Oreo Boom. cheesecake. No, that's very exotic. And Blueberry? that's what I would choose. That is not Blueberry. very exotic. Are you thinking like a mango sauce? Listen, I haven't even the Cheesecake Factory gives you that three ring binder when you walk in. 
And I haven't even scratched the surface. All I'm saying is if you see a celebrity in the wild at Cheesecake Factory, the polite thing to do yeah. is to purchase the most exotic piece. So what have. do you do? Okay, so I you're you're like a pro at breaking the ice with people and right. talking to celebrities. I was in the airport security line in Atlanta about three people behind Anthony Bourdain one time. Yeah. And when, you know, the back and forth, back and forth of the line, you know, when he turned, we locked eyes. And I'm like, I was like wanting to say something to him because he's like a hero. And, and, and he immediately looked away and kind of gave me that look of do not bother me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so I respected it, respected the eye code. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything to him. I mean, I don't want to be bothered if I'm him. Sure. I get it. And then right before we get up to the security guy, people from behind me come up to him and say, can we take a selfie? And he obliged them. And then boom, he's gone. He's He's past security. And and I blew it. I still think about it. Here's why. This is why I always, 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 always am carrying around a slice of cheesecake. In that situation, (laughs) in the airport line, if you said, Mr. Bourdain, big fan of your work. Big fan. Here's a piece of Oreo cheesecake. It's uh, been in my bag for two weeks waiting for Very a moment exotic. I run into someone like you. Exotic <laughs> cheesecake doesn't go bad, does it? You're a professional chef. Anyway, nice Here to meet go. you, sir. Congrats on the show and the success. Yeah, that's a little strategy, a little pro tip there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got flustered because I was like, I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. So I turned into like a little, like I got nervous. Like I didn't know what to say yeah. to him. Also, Jesse, you and I have a uh, correction and apology, which we don't really run that segment right. anymore. Right, but, right, right. Uh, but we could not have been more wrong about <laughs> about Sam playing for uh, Chicago. Yeah, he, Sam, Sam, Sam plays for the Bills. So yeah, I, sorry. I apologize. And Sam. I knew it I too, and nothing, it just didn't trigger in my brain when we were talking about it, so I my know, apologies. I'll be honest, a lot of last week's shows were a blur to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I listened to someone back, I'm like, I don't even remember having this discussion. <laughs> I, I feel like that would be about, always you. That you say much so is. much on here that you'd be like, what did I, I said that? Yeah, exactly. Well, but it was compounded with magazine deadline last week. And Jesse was out one of the days last week. So he did a five day work week in four days, plus mag deadline, plus two shows. It was a family trip to Bush Gardens, which I mean, you feel like you ran a marathon after a music. I have no excuse. I just wasn't paying attention. I was (laughs) being a dumb So so to our friend Sam Ocho, who former Chicago Bears uh, player who was on a cast member on the Realm of Sports podcast, we apologize. That we did not correctly state that you are now a player for the Buffalo Bills. So, how long has he been with the Bills? Yeah. Is there like uh, a. This is his first season. Okay, great. So, there's a little yeah. statue of limitation thing yeah. here that it's yeah, not exactly. like he's been there no five years. Yeah, no, 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 no. Everything is just fine. No, no, just right. Right. A piece of cheesecake is on the way to patch yeah. things up. Cheesecake no. <laughs> has, does a lot, can do, undo a lot of damage, people. So, just. I hear Cheesecake relax. Factory is huge in Buffalo. Just huge. I don't know why. I just feel like it would be. And they got Niagara Falls. I've been to Niagara Falls twice. And both times I've been like, it's insane how big it is. Like if you've never been there, nothing can prepare you for how giant Niagara Falls. But the only thought I have is I would definitely make it out alive in a barrel. I could go over the falls in a barrel and be just fine. Like I could. So many people have done it. There's like plaques up all over the place to tell you how many people made it over in a barrel. Oh, yeah. It's like no big deal. Have I told y'all the time I went to Niagara Falls, but I went to the Canada side and they let me in fine. And then I did, but I didn't have my passport and they, and America wouldn't let me back in. Whoops. So did you have to sneak back into the country in a barrel? In a barrel. That was the only way. No, we just had to be super sweet because we, my friend and I drove over, spent the night in Canada 
And then dr- we're driving back over and it was like 4.35 a.m. because of a meeting we had to be back in the U.S. for. Yeah. And we, I looked at the guy, I was like, oh my gosh, I never one time thought about bringing my passport from Nashville. And he asked a thousand billion questions, searched the whole car. I'm going to assume that was under a different administration because from my understanding, the border policy has uh, changed just where sweet talking at the border doesn't really play. Yeah. I mean, the good old days, you could go back and forth from America and Canada with nothing but a slice of cheesecake for the border guards. Well, he took took a picture of my license and he wrote me and he said, just so you know, you're going in the system and the next time you're stopped, it will pull up on your um, attached to your driver's license. Defector. Oh, yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow, yeah, exactly. Annie. I can't believe... Oh, I avoided you know, Vietnam, you guys. How did, yeah. how did those those guards... I mean, that's their whole job, is just talking to well-meaning, lovely Americans who just weren't paying attention. I mean, that's right. all they do all day. I can't believe they don't have like a, yeah, yeah, go to the line to fill out a form, we'll let yeah. you back in, no big deal. I can't believe it's still a thing, because everybody does it, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like when you're trying to leave a parking garage, and you just, oh my goodness, I don't have money. Uh-huh. You just yeah. fill out uh-huh. a form and then yeah, right. the, you're fine. They let you or out. Do right. what I do. Do what I do every time in a toll booth. I just ghost it. I, I just throw fake right money. I, I, I th- no, no. I throw fake. I don't have any. Who has loose change these days? I Nobody. act like I'm throwing change. And then I look at the camera and I'm like, you saw me just throw it into the basket. Like it's your technology. It's not working. I just fake throw it. It works every time. Oh, I've never got a Never got a ticket. I don't believe in tolls. I am principally against tolls. They 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 are against my sense of liberty. Like I I should not be. I already pay my taxes. You don't need. I don't. You don't need to. It's a different get entity. Change the people who you pay taxes to are not the ones who built that toll road. Doesn't make any sense. They can figure it out because <laughs> they can pass the money around here in Florida. Yeah. The you know the state does roads, counties and cities do roads, and the federal government does interstates. Well, if 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 there's an opportunity for, to improve the transportation that doesn't fall in any of those budgets, you can create a separate entity like we have the Expressway Authority. It's a separate entity that's not taxpayer subsidized, and they can build whatever the roads they want with the money. It's a for-profit business. And so yeah, they have they, to charge you to use their private road. Big yeah. government building needless roads. That's, you know, <laughs> welcome, welcome to 2019 America, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> The good old days, the good old days, you could just, there weren't even lanes. You just drive where you think people on the horses and buggies said the way this country was founded, they cared about, you know, it's, it's just insane. We've gotten, <laughs> I, I haven't you heard a word. political thing, but you, you I haven't heard a second of this conversation since we stopped talking about Buffalo. All of a sudden got into tolls and I just glazed over and hopped on my phone. Jesse, I have never seen you get revved up for a heart. You were going for a hot take. Since you floss. pulled back, you pulled back. You I, mid rev back because it's he pointless. revved up earlier when it's his pointless. internet wasn't working. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's yeah, really frustrated. Pointless. Mr. Was, Big I've Boy. never seen that, Jesse. I've never no. seen that genuine. That was like pure distilled frustration, and I have not seen that come out of you without a laugh afterwards until this morning. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's rare. It's a rare it's sighting. It's like a Sasquatch. It's I wish I had a video. Yeah. Did I to put it's it on the internet? To I just didn't know. A Jesse Carey frustration video, moment. I, I want to. I want to talk about adult frustration for a moment, if we can. Okay. Like, uh, 
I put a note in here. I'm just going to jump right to it, Cameron. I had, and I'm not going to do a sports I was trying. Thing. I was trying to get to this. I thought your Sam Ocho, Sam Ocho apology would have no, gotten this, us here, but this, you guys this, pivoted toward toll roads. I don't know how. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So here we go. I had, I had my, I had my annual fantasy football draft this weekend. See, right? look at that. I'm in the, I'm always thinking about segues. We were talking about an NFL player. I knew he wanted to get to an NFL draft story. I but your ready cowgirl extraordinaire's got some other things on her mind. So you wrote, us, into the, I wrote us off into the sunset. <laughs> you brought us back. Talking about Niagara Falls and Buffalo and toll roads. Come yeah. on, get me back Just, to my yeah, segue. So, so you so and OJ I, Simpson were both on the doing <laughs> yeah, the draft. Yeah, it was yeah. incredible yeah. to watch him. Yeah. That was yeah. really funny. Yeah. 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 Uh, in case people didn't see, OJ Simpson was in a fantasy draft and drafted Andrew Luck, uh, who retired moments after OJ Simpson drafted him, presumably because he found out he's on OJ Simpson's team. Um, <laughs> so I was at my fantasy draft and I've been in the same league for a very long time. And these dudes that I'm in this league with, we get together. I only see them like some of these guys I see once a year now, but I've been in this league with these guys since I, I've known these guys since we've been teenagers. All yeah, yeah, them, yeah, that is all right? your friends except us. People fly in for this draft. Okay? Oh my gosh. Like this is wow. a big deal, but uh, you know, it's a big deal. Like I said, we've all known each other our whole lives. This is sometimes th- this is the only time of year. I see a lot of these guys, people fly in from all over the country for this draft. Right. And the propensity, there's a disproport, there's a proportionate relationship with the older and more mature each person in the league gets to how over the top draft night gets. Like these are all grown men. What right? does over the top mean with excitement or with snack amounts or what? No, with hostility towards uh, one another. Do, okay. Is it like, is it like that, that comedy, the league? That was on, I see, maybe Comedy FX. Central or something. Yeah. FX, yeah. That was yeah. a great show. Wait, oh, is that it, y'all's crew? It's basically that crew because, okay. but there's 12 of us. And so like last year, I thought we kind of peaked when one guy in the middle of draft tried to rip a football jersey off the back of another player during the draft. <laughs> and it came to a shoving match. What? This like week, joking? Like joking? No, 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 no. It gets heated and that's what really so this this is how he did it got this year okay because these are all professionals this this happened between a lawyer and a guy who owns some jersey mike franchises okay like i said these these are these are respectable humans okay these are these are functioning members of society a lawyer and a, someone who owns restaurants and so during the draft they're talking back and forth and one of them takes a player the lawyer stands up and says if you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to knock you out and drop you off behind a subway tonight. And at that point, it, it's like <laughs> great joke, though. <laughs> yeah, because he owns Jersey Mike's. It was the ultimate slap in the face. You know, we literally had to take a, a pause and a breather. Are you guys in any kind of league situation where you have adults acting more immature than they did when they were doing this as teenagers? Because I'm seeing a disproportionate relationship to the older we get, the more hostile these kind of gatherings get. Or is it, is it just me and my friends? Oh, it's yeah, just that you sounds like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah you guys. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we, we're pretty good over here. Camera, yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, I'm fine. If people could see Jesse's face, he just literally, yeah, it's just you frustratedly and blew air out of his mouth like he was blowing up a balloon. Yeah, like the internet's down again, and Dana hasn't called the service provider. <laughs> yeah, and no one has cheesecake for me. I don't Jesse, know. How I long just w- does a draft? And so this is me not ever doing yeah. uh, fantasy yeah. football. Is this take yeah. like 45 minutes and then y'all eat dinner together? 
No, 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 no. no. <laughs> this is an auction draft. We're the, the draft alone is three and a half hours. It's a whole day, though. I mean, there's top, there's a top golf thing. There's a, you know, the hostility's been building all day, but the draft itself is about. I three mean, and that's half hours. the thing about fantasy football for people, right? Is it's it's far. It is like a major social connection. It's why people do it, right? It's yeah. not about money per se. I mean, everybody gets a little money if you win, but. Yeah, it's it's mostly just like you're it's really just bros in with being these bros. Guys, right? <laughs> but I'm sure there are women who do it. Yeah, too. there's plenty of women who do it, too. But it's like an excuse to act like a child, you know, uh, as an adult, as a respectable adult. <laughs> your last chance to act like a child. So right. okay. I, I, I'm just disappointed. No one else is sharing so, this. Experience, so for though. you, no. you spend the entire day doing this. Your your wife and children are fine with that. D- Daddy's gone this weekend. Just kind of a thing they understand it's once a year i told somebody you know as an adult it's you one have day pre- yeah really that shouldn't be if you have just one day as a kid as a, you have, champ. As, as, as a kid you have christmas morning that you look forward to you know as an adult you have fantasy football draft day like it's the big day of the year it's circled on the calendar you Plus, know this has been part of the total package of being married to jesse since True. the oh, very they beginning knew that they, they yeah. this was it was in the vows the, the uh, there was a fantasy football reference in the vows right <laughs> he knew what she was getting into. Yeah. Like I, said, I bought the whole family a cheesecake they were just fine an exotic one <laughs> so what's this so that was the story that was the punchline yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just, just didn't know if any of you guys share this, the, this <laughs> experience. Of, that's no, you, what you wanted to do was pitch to us and all of us be like, yeah, we also have stupid friends, but none of us have these dumb you friends. You also are breaking up fights between people you've known your whole lives that are like, uh, you know, adults like in their late 30s. Like, but I guess I'm the only one who shares that experience. So there we go. Yeah, that's so. a, that's that's yours. That's your experience alone. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, Greg Laurie joins us. He's an author, pastor, and evangelist. He he does just did the thirtieth uh, Southern California Harvest Crusade. But that's Dude, not what I he's ju- coming I on to talk the about. Show notes, I know. Why are you even ta- saying this? Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming on to talk about the importance of evangelism for the next generation, which is obviously a major focus of him. But he has a new book out about the spiritual legacy of Johnny Cash. This is kind of an unexpected thing. Oh, Nashville. And, um, yeah. and why he thinks the country music icon is so misunderstood. Um, we is also, he? we also, Relevant Books, back in the day, 2006, published a book about the spiritual legacy of Johnny Cash. So we'll compare notes with yeah. Mr. Laurie, yeah. if we agree with his assessment. Do you, do, you know, do you know they baptized over 500 people at that uh, crusade this weekend? Did wow. they really? Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Amazing. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. I wonder yeah, if it was like the Righteous movie. Gemstones where they were all on a big wave pool. Have you seen <laughs> oh. this show yet? Yes. yes. I, I, it's so good. I cannot recommend it, but it nope. is unbelievable. <laughs> no. It is yeah. Danny McBride's new HBO show, and it's about yeah. like a mega church uh, family of pastors. And uh, I cannot recommend it and definitely cannot recommend it enough. It's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, stay tuned. Coming up next, it's Slices. Listening to Bari, the song is Clovers. 
At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Stevie Wonder with Sir Duke. And no, that's not a new release this week. Uh, we just felt like it. It's kind of the end of the summer. Just felt like throwing down. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, well, this one was sent to us by a listener, and uh, I really? really wanted to talk about it. Really? Because, I thought you yes. took pride in not crowdsourcing Slices suggestions. I usually don't. Usually the ones he people share with me, I have, I have no interest in, but this one was right up my alley wow. uh, because it had to do with creative justice. Um, uh, I knew it. As soon as they tagged us, I knew you were bringing this one. <laughs> so there was there is a judge in Montana, right? And they have this policy. This particular judge has a policy in Montana where, uh, you, you know, there are certain programs that if you are a United States veteran, that if you served our country in the armed forces and, and you run into legal trouble, there are special programs available to you that this judge uh, makes available that can, you know, if you do, will lighten your sentence. So two Good. guys got in trouble. Uh, 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 and, and was going before the judge and said they were veterans. They said they both served because they're like, if we say we're veterans and we can get off like our, our sentence and get these special programs and it won't be as bad. Well, guess what? They were lying. And so, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the judge found out about that and, and, and he, he, he was not having it. That's a, that's a serious thing. It's called, it's called stolen valor. And so he, he sentenced them. Uh, they, they both, uh, received like years in prison for, uh, these, uh, they, they were on their drug charges. But after their sentences are complete, he wanted to show how serious it was to steal valor and say you're a veteran if you're not. After, after they are released from prison. Okay. First off, I don't know what I, I, I don't, I'm not a lawyer, but whenever I hear judges doing stuff like you this, you literally act like one all the time. Yeah, I, I, but but uh, but like it's like this isn't in the books. Like I don't right. know if this is legal or not, but he's just de- decreeing it. It's like saying, "I hereby declare you can't do business with China." Like I'm just gonna throw it out there, and maybe this will work. So the judge, the judge is forcing these guys to uh, after they get released from prison, they must attend the Montana Veterans uh, Memorial Day parade. And they have to march in the parade, except they have to wear large sandwich board signs that says, I am a liar. I am not a veteran. I stole valor. I dishonored all veterans at a veterans parade. This is a parade of veterans. They'll get beat up. He probably won't because it's all veterans and they'll all be like super respectful and awesome. But that is pretty darn shaming. (laughs) <laughs> that yeah. is so shaming. They also they also have to do things like uh they have to write letters to to veterans families. They got to uh they got to yeah. write apologies to veterans organizations. All that is great. And I Dear and I think Lord. that's But the the I mean, marching is exactly just the scarlet letter. I mean, right? The having to wear yeah. an A for breaking yeah. the law of adultery and stuff. I mean, right. Like yeah. haven't and, we and who among us hasn't thought when they're boarding the plane and maybe you're not at status with Delta yet <laughs> when they say like hey, Don't you women and children and infants and anybody in the military. You're like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I could just say I'm in the Coast Guard. Hey, yeah, it's me. <laughs> Coast Guard Eddie. Here I am. Let me in. I always wondered Coast if they Coast Guards checked. are pretty cool. I don't know that they would really, yeah. I mean, do, do, when, when somebody walks up there for that that group, do they yeah. say, like, yeah. I'm in the active, Army? Active military. Or just, or, just, or just the fact that you went up there 
they yeah. assume that you're telling the truth. Yeah, I mean, I know. I mean, you have like they have military IDs, but I don't know that they check it. I think it's just assumed. But ah. Uh, I would cure because I. But you can just pull an Annie and just be like, "Oh, I don't have my military ID on me right now. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have an Please ID on me on the plane. America. I served in the Please. Coast Guard." But here's, here's a nice piece I'll of do. cheesecake. Work twice. Here's an Oreo cheesecake. Uh, <laughs> now I'd like an aisle seat, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Like, it's not just wearing the sandwich board that says I'm a liar. I stole, uh, you know, uh, valor. I I pretended I was a veteran. It's marching in the parade that I think is the extra twist of the hilarious knife that really, you know, drives his punishment home. If I was a judge, almost all my punishments would be creative and hilarious like this guy. Like, I, I just I just love where his head's at. Like, I'm going to make it as awkward as humanly possible for these two guys. I think it's hilarious. I get that it's like public shaming, but also these guys did something bad. Would you rather would you rather have extra time on her sentence or have like to do something humiliating like this? What are your thoughts about this punishment? Because I think it's hilarious. Well, I I mean, you got to think. I mean, if we're talking about that, the punitive system is its intent is rehabilitation and yeah. to not have that person do that crime again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you know, a few more whatever time on the sentence in jail isn't going to really get through to these guys, probably. But this, they will think twice about ever doing anything like this again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In front of all. I mean, it's not like you. I mean, that's a that's a group of distinguished citizens that you do not want to be ashamed in front of. That's like, yeah, exactly. Like if you said, would you take that? punishment in front of veterans or would you take that punishment uh, in front of subway workers i mean i'd be like like the sandwich shop not like yeah. in new york yeah I'm like, like, like yeah, i yeah. stole i stole a meatball sub or that's i right. used the that's forged right. sub but, of the month club or right. whatever but the veterans subway i forged subway stamps and now that's i'm right. out here with you know i'm a liar i stole subway yeah that yeah, feels veterans, different yeah yeah that yeah. feels different to me yeah, yeah, it's hard for me because while shame is a very motivating factor, I do not like it at all as a motivating factor. I, I understand. I mean, I never I just yeah. I, I don't like it, but I also understand how effective, like deeply, deeply effective it is. But it always just rings as a little problematic for me. But at the same sense, like these guys, what would, did you, have, what would you have done? Because I agree with you. I think restorative justice can. You know, we need to think outside the lines and like what will actually get through to these guys about this situation. I agree with you, yeah. but shame I know. seems like we could do better than shame. But like what would have gotten through to them at that level? You know, I liked right. I liked all the other ones. I mean, writing letters to the to, yeah. to families of veterans like there were other ones that yeah. were like, I mean, I'm yeah, gonna- you can do that while you're watching your favorite Netflix show. Yeah. yeah, but 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 that is but that, that is like more restorative, like seek, seeking forgiveness from the people you've wronged, and, and you know, like I think there is uh, like a case to be made for restorative justice measures, but this one is just hilarious. <laughs> Yo, like, oh, yeah. like, he came up with like, comedy. oh, you got to volunteer, you got to apologize. Now you got to march in the parade in front of all these people with the same. And two, it's in Montana. That is on on the list of states that I would want to do that in. Nope. Uh-huh. The, the only one I would that would be worse is Texas, Texas. because right. you don't I mean, like I said, their slogans don't mess with us and you're, you're messing with them at that point. You're yeah. poking the bear, the Texas sized bear. But Montana, Cameron, you and I spent a lot of time in Montana. Those are not people. No, they, they, they do not suffer fools in that part of the country. No, you know, they don't. 
I, so. I, I, I just like, this is like Scott's tots for me, like having to march him back up yeah. there for him to uh. face the class that he lied to or wronged. You right. know, this is literally the same thing. Yet these people have to face. Oh, I hate it. I hate everything. Oh, about I love it. it. I, I, I'm tempted. I'm tempted guys. Five years from now, when this guy gets out of prison, to go to the Montana Veterans Parade just to see him march down there. <laughs> just because it's going to be too hilarious and weird. It's going to be too hilarious and oh. awkward. Okay, they're going to boo him a- the entire way. They're going to boo him. That's hiss! What- boo! Hiss! Hiss! <laughs> boo! I got old Rotten Tomatoes that I'm just chucking at him. We you know, it's cheesecake part of the fun. Yeah. Yeah, I cheat. Yeah, an old passion cheesecake in the face. You know, I don't want to get. I don't want to get too deep with it, but I would feel okay. weird as a parent sitting there because I would not want my children to boo this person. So it does turn into a, like a little bit of like, how does the crowd respond? I know uh-huh. we're getting too deep. It's supposed to be just funny, but that's like I, I think it's putting the public in a funny spot too, and endangering. Them. I think I think people should get the option. I think right. you could say I'll get the extra I'll get six months off my my prison sentence or I do this weird, hilarious thing. Yeah. I think if it's an option, I don't have a problem with it. I don't know yeah. if they gave me. I think they just tacked it on there. OK, yeah. OK, give a second one. OK, I do. Th- this one's a little bit <clears throat> more serious and I'm interested uh, to hear your guys opinion. So Lifeway is doing has done the, the, a similar poll every year for uh, like a decade now. And uh, basically to gauge different views about spirituality and values and behaviors among Christians. Uh, so a lot of things actually that were positive uh, increased uh, over the over years, like people, more people are reading their Bible. Uh, more people are uh, prioritizing what they call like obedience to Christ, like following through with his commandments. But connections w- between fellow Christians are actually declining pretty dramatically. Uh, so right now, this year, less than half of the people the Christians polled agreed with the statement, I intentionally spend time with other believers to help them grow in their faith. So less than half said that they, you know, hang out with others uh, for like discipleship purposes. And uh, the younger the demographic got, the less likely they were to uh, uh, hang out with other believers. So hang out uh, with other believers or hang out with other believers to help them in their faith. That feels like two really different things to me. Well, well, uh, uh, for the purpose of growing in their faith. And uh, so I don't know that I just said yes to that. You, you, so you, 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 okay, hold on. Let me, let me add one little uh, <laughs> caveat here because uh, <laughs> over two thirds now say I can walk with God without other believers. Like basically I can go it alone. And the younger the demographic gets, uh, the, the less likely the people are to have significant relations with people in their church. So yeah. uh, like, if, uh, you know, the people like 65 and older, almost half of them had significant relationships with people in their church. When you go down to 18 to 34, it's under 40 percent. So what the research is showing is less and less people uh, are, Annie, to your point, uh, hanging out with other people to grow in their faith. But they're also less likely to have relationships, significant relationships with people that they attend church with or, or, or do spiritual things with. It's actually despite all these other values on the increase these are in decline. Uh, Annie, you don't, it sounds like you don't necessarily think that's a big problem. I, well, I, the, the question on the um, survey is what I'm asking. Cause I'm not sure that I would, if someone said, do you hang out with other believers in order to change your faith or do something about your faith? Like to that's grow not in, my intention to grow in your ever. Faith. Yeah. To right. grow to in your grow faith. In your faith. Yeah, I don't that's think not, I do. 
that's all, that's not my intention. It's certainly, I certainly don't hang out with believers to help grow their faith. That's not, yeah. no, but I do think it's a problem. And, and, you know, I'm a part of a big church in Nashville. We have a lot of people who come to church that don't have any relationship with anybody else in the church. And that's something we think about and talk about and wonder about from the leadership point of view all the time is how do we help these people who are showing up on Sundays faithfully, but don't have any friends connect with other people in a faith community. So I do think it's important to be connected to other believers. I think the purpose behind it might be what throws me off in this question. Yeah, but 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 I mean, I think you can apply that pretty broadly, right? I mean, to grow in your faith, it's not necessarily like, oh, we're, we're doing theology but, you know, we're doing sword drills with each other. You right. know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, I think you can apply the idea of growing in your faith pretty broadly, where if you're having a relationship with someone and it challenges you to be a better person or it helps you in a difficult time or, you know, I think those are practical ways people grow in their faith, like over overcoming just yeah, life but, adversity. But that's not your intent and friendship, though. I mean, it's not like I am going to spend time with you so I grow in my faith. Yeah, but but I I think I don't necessarily know that like it has to be the intent, but I feel like Trust the byproduct me, it of, is not, of when we hang out, that is the last thing on my mind. Yeah, when I'm yeah. with I, any I'm of you, usually, I'm I, usually I, I, sharp this is usually. not the time every week that I'm expecting my faith to be any better than what I got. How dare you? That's how dare sure you, to Annie? You. I just. I just proposed two things to you that could seriously help you change the way you see the world. One is offering cheesecake to strangers, just like Jesus would do. The second is a hilarious way to get people to stop sinning, and that's to publicly shame them in Veterans Parade. You're right, you don't feel actually, like you've grown. Right. How dare you, Annie? No, you're right. But don't, don't you feel like growing in uh, your faith to a degree is a byproduct of friendship? Like friends will it doesn't have to be like a daily part of your relationship with your friends but it's it's like uh, it is a byproduct of like good friendships i could say each one of you individually i feel like my faith has been positively effective and i've got to grow in different areas because of my friendship with you guys i mean i would say we're not sitting here doing like cell group i would say like seasons of life like if, if i'm going through like a hard season and then like I want to like, let's go talk or something like that. Like I am reaching yeah. out to you because of, yeah, you know, yeah. that like it's more, and I would turn to you instead of one of maybe my non-Christian friends, cause they wouldn't come from the same place and help yeah. me, you know, grow in that way. And that has happened with every one of you in my yeah. life. Yeah. But when we hang out, it's, I, that's not what's on my mind. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. yeah, right. it's more yeah. of like For, moments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my priest, first, first off pres- Cameron, how dare you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Eddie. I'm no, scared. I was just going to say, my priest made me pre- uh, process down with a sandwich board that said, I don't know any of you. And it was, <laughs> it changed me pretty drastically. So I'm going to get back into some small groups. I don't know and any of you. <laughs> daily time or whatever you call it. What is it? The daily thing? Quiet time? Quiet time. That's right. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm gonna get. It's I'm been a while. Into all of it. I'm oh, in. which is that's yeah. a rant we've never got on before. No Instagram posts about that me. Frame that phrase. Quiet time is. Bleh. <laughs> Maybe save that for another show. But I'm just saying. I, I don't think we did. I think you just did it. <laughs> what? Because you just like talking. What? You don't like being quiet. What, no, I just think you... that's the dumbest phrase. Who came up with that? It's not in the Bible for sure. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> Who decided we have to call it that? Why can't can we call it something else that feels more true? What would you call it? What would you call it? Because I think I think the intent is you take a concerted portion of your day to quiet the noise of daily life and focus some intentional time 
on scripture and prayer. It's just quieting, quieting the noise of life. Quiet time. Uh huh. Right. You, you don't think that's that's a good name for it? No. Maybe you're. What would no. you call it? What would you call Happy it? Happy time. Yeah. Happy time. No, I mean, Jesus. I just think like I would. I genuinely would rather say, and what I do say is ha- doing a devotion or having well, my devotion. In, in, I, I yeah. like that word better. In truth, I don't. I don't know. I think the problem with quiet time is not necessarily the 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 naming of it, but it is what it came to represent, which was some sort of like currency of faithfulness, as yes, if yes, doing yes, it yes, or yes. not doing it made yeah. you better. How many so quiet were, times have you had this week? Right, what? and so there was part of it where there was like affirming and people like checking in and seeing how your soul is, and then there was another real part of it that was like, uh, well, shaming. Since we were talking about that, that was like, yeah. oh, you you didn't do it, so it got yeah. kind of uh-huh. lost. A very good idea with a pretty normal name got lost and you know, the messiness of yeah. Christianity, but that's hard, right. Jesse. I, I am trying to think about your question. I do not think I, I think there is zero drive in me to find other people of faith in order to make like in order to like deepen my spirituality. Now that may be lucky because everybody I'm around, not everybody, but a lot of the people I'm around are people of faith. So when yeah. needed, we're all on the same page together, but I don't like, I don't need to like seek out a church to do that. That's just the the church of my given community. Yeah. Hmm. It, it just, it's, I think the interesting thing is like all the, all the questions that had to do with like relational values and the importance of relationships and faith, it, various phrasings. And even like how many people do you actually hang out with in your church? All of those are in the decline when all of these other sort of, uh, you know, behaviors that are a reflection of faith values are increased. All the relational ones are declining. I don't know necessarily that's a, like a Christian church problem. I think, I think just by virtue of technology and the way lifestyles have evolved, in, interpersonal relationships are becoming more and more difficult or, or are taking different forms. But it, 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 I just thought it was interesting. And the interesting. role of the church in our social lives is different than it was 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or 30 mm-hmm. years ago when I was a kid, the you mm-hmm. know, our community yeah. believers and non-believers, our community kind of revolved around three churches and you went yeah. to one of those youth groups and that's who you hung out with. And, and yeah. it is, and there's beautiful parts of it, right? There's great parts about that, that I miss, but also there's some goodness to what's happening now. We just have to sort out how it becomes a better community for everyone. Yeah. Well, and I think we are watching some people call it post church but it's it's not we are watching millennials and what's next shift the definition of right. how they experience church it's not to say church isn't there and it's not as viable and and critical as it's always been but it's going to be different and we're watching that and so some of it looks confusing because we used to have to have to be around other believers in order to you know make right. our faith what we and now they're saying like no that's not the case but the truth is they might not be finding of the church, but they're still finding people of faith that they can connect with. And so it's not that I, I don't think the study is saying that they are becoming less faithful. The study is saying that no. where they are finding those people is different. And so we right. are watching before our eyes the transformation of what the church will be. And it's scary, but also 100, 200 years ago, the church looked very, very different, yet it still yet it still exists. So it's not not to be feared, but definitely to be uh it's just a, it's just a seismic shift that we and are it's witnessing sorting right out now. For church leaders, we have lots of church leaders who listen here. For sorting out as right. a church leader, 
How do we not just keep creating what worked for us when we were students or when our parents were in charge of the church? Like, well, we should have Wednesday night supper because we've always had Wednesday night supper. Like, like we need to be looking at what's going on at church and going like, what do our people need that may be something that's never been done in church before or never been done anywhere before, but is how our community connects. I mean, those are the, we can't just do what worked for us. The same is true. Like when I talk to my friends who are teaching school, you can't just build the classroom you were in in fifth grade because you're teaching fifth grade, right? Yes. Like you have to build what the culture needs now with the historical education that is true. And the same is true in church. We have to, we don't stray from what the Bible says. And we look at Acts 2 to determine what community looks like, but we combine that with what's going on in culture and what our people need and maybe do something new that's never been done in the church before that provides real community. Right. Yeah. But yeah, God help you if you stop playing 10,000 Reasons every weekend. They're all going to leave. Gonna, I'm yeah, just saying go. that. So your church growing up served dinner on Wednesday nights? Yeah. You got food at church? I believe she called it supper. supper. Wednesday night supper. Yeah, Wait, yeah. so you all would show up and there's a yeah. whole bunch of tables? Yeah, and, we yeah. did that. The whole, gym, the whole Family Life Center is full Wednesday of tables. Night, Wednesday night was church night. So you would yeah. go and... It yeah, was like I mean, I, it was, it was church night for me, but that was like yeah. youth group, like midweek yeah, yeah, service. Dinner, and then, yeah, yeah, it was dinner. And then the parents went to class and the kids went to class and the teenagers yeah. went to Jesse cell groups and our discipleship groups and youth group. Yeah. So dinner was first and then it was choir or small group or whatever you were doing. So it was yeah. like a big like high school cafeteria situation. Yeah, it was there, a gym. There, I mean, our church had a gymnasium, so it was in the gym. It's yeah. like a like a fellowship hall. And you paid, you know. I don't know, $5 or something. I don't remember. I could ask mother. I could ask, text my mother. How interesting. Her. Was that yeah. a please, South thing? Please do. My church didn't do that. We didn't yeah, have food. We, we didn't have supper. But but also like, it, but it's just interesting that all these numbers are shifting even from years ago. Even the number of people who agree with the statement, uh, I can I can walk with God without other believers. Like I think probably if you ask that in, you know, the Acts 2 community, Annie, uh, most yeah. of them would say, no, no, you got to have other believers. You've That's what this whole yeah. thing. That's a lifeblood of this thing. Where now two thirds of people are saying, yeah, I can do that. I can, I, sure. can, I can walk this faith without believers. It's, it is, Annie, to your point, it is a seismic shift yeah. that's happening yeah. in recent years well because yeah. now they can like get the podcast of their favorite preachers and they can like they can like get all the the yeah. you know teaching experience of the, the church resource. and so they're like well then i'm good because that's yeah. the that's main right. thing i can listen to worship music whenever i want and i can listen to the best preachers in the world whenever i want yeah i'm yeah, good all and they're, they're missing yeah. the community well, component. and rob bell and i don't care if people say something about him i love him but rob bell says church has a way of bubbling up and i always appreciated that like yeah we're not going to outpace the church it's just going to have to grow under our feet a little bit and it will still be there and we will still find church and we'll get things wrong like those two-thirds of people just may may be wrong and they'll Mm -hmm. learn that and we'll learn that together but right now it feels like independence is valued but that may not work out in the long run and we'll figure it out together but it's not like we're going to be in this like post-church faithless situation we're just gonna learn although some some people point to the fact that we are you know 10 to 20 years behind what's the shift that's happening in europe and you would kind of say that europe oh you mean the royal family rules then fine i'm in (laughs) (laughs) oh you you mean a monarchy interested (laughs) 100 (laughs) percent. megan markle bell the ball i'm in all right what do you have annie Okay, you guys, 20 years ago this week, the very first website for a band launched. Would you like to guess which band? 20 years ago, first Smash Mouth. Wait, tw- 
1999? I, I don't believe that. That can't be true. That's according to internet.com. Okay. Well, the medium has the entire story about uh, medium.com has the entire story about the first website that a band ever released. In 1999. <laughs> oh, no. 1994. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1994. 25 years. Because sorry, I'm sorry. like, I'm pretty sure I was on the Supertones website oh, in yeah, 1999. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Five Iron I was all over. I was Everybody, all over the, let me make a mistake we were once alive a then. year on this show. <laughs> it's <laughs> done. It won't happen again in 19. Just move Listen, on. I was on the MXPX bulletin ago. board in 1999. Jesse, just keep eating cheesecake like you've been doing this whole show. And I just and want to say that the people, piece. To, to the people that are listening, they're <laughs> like, you guys always interrupt Annie um, and never let her finish her slice. I just want to say <laughs> you've changed me. And Annie, I am so wrong. Okay. So please, <laughs> facts don't matter. 20, 25, four years ago, whatever. Five years ago, say what the you want. first band had a web. The first website for a band released. Guess which band it was. You jerks. Smash mouth. No, 94. <laughs> It's post grunge. Who is pop? Who is huge in '94? You're you're wrong. Before you work too hard, it's not it's not pop. Yeah, the answer surprised me. Uh, Annie sent this to me, and I was pretty shocked at who at how. Okay, it's not a Annie band. Annie sent that, this to me, comma. Annie's required to check in her slices before they come to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, well done. It was your first one. Sh- I thought it was Shania Twain. Shania Twain. <laughs> Is it Shania Twain? Karen Carpenter. No, it's not Shania Twain. It's not Aaron Carpenter. Was it the Muppets? No. No. You ready? It's Megadeth. Megadeth. Megadeth is the first band. And they called it, they called the website Megadeth Arizona because they said they were making a cyber city because that's where they had uh, recorded the album that was coming out. So here's what was on the website. For starters, you you should Google and read the piece, but it's just a gray background with blue text, right? Like it's literally the very first band website. And only Times New Roman was available. They had a news page. They had 30 second music clips. And then they they had a chat room and a digital postcard that you could send to your friends in their email. Of Megadeth music. Of Megadeth I, music. Isn't that good. interesting? I had my identity stolen in 1994 in the Megadeth chat room, and I've never recovered. <laughs> I, I can't go to Canada now. I've never seen yeah. the Canada side of the falls. I've snuck in thanks to Cheesecake, but uh, I never recovered from what happened in that Megadeth chat room in the 90s. Yeah, they listed it real quick. I'll tell you, they listed a couple of things that, uh, the, that they attribute to Megadeth having um, a website. Uh, the site drove interest to computers because a lot of Megadeth fans weren't already using computers at all. And so <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> and it got covered in the USA Today, got covered in Billboard magazine. So it really kind of put the internet on mainstream media's radar as far as something that can be used for music. And it, they, they claim it is the birth of social media because it was one of the first online communities. I think we're fine. Wow. I think that was the one that Megadeth took it yeah. a little too far. But thanks so much, Dave Mustaine. <laughs> That's kind of like Al Gore saying yeah. he invented the internet. You know, and Megadeth did, did not Pam invent social mother media. just texted me back about the cost of family family supper, Wednesday mm-hmm. night supper. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't remember. Just call and ask. So, no, that's not going to happen. I don't just care that call much. Your, can we please call your <laughs> can we please call your church right now? Live on Talk the air. to the front, I mean, front desk reception person. We don't even go to that church anymore. It's been 25 years since I was in the building. 
So we're just going to let that one pass. But and my he apologies. got kicked out for listening so, to Megadeth. That is ago, my mother for you to go. No, just call and ask. I don't have any idea. What's the name remember. of the church? First United Methodist Church of Marietta, Georgia. All right, everyone. So go ahead and call First UMC of Marietta <laughs> and get us an answer. If anybody goes to FUMC Marietta, what did Wednesday night supper cost in 1994 when yeah. Megadeth was releasing the internet to I'm all of us? I'm sure there's like yeah. a relevant mug in it or something for you. If you uh-huh. would just please just blow up there to the bottom of this. One. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That's going to go great for me. All right. What do you have, Eddie? I'm going to go quickly because this has been the world's longest slices because one of us always brings two slices. Um, but I just, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Public shaming. I had a riveting conversation. I thought you didn't like public shaming. He has to wear a sandwich board wear that says, sandwich I bring board, too many slices. Um, <laughs> At the Cheesecake Factory. At the Cheesecake Factory. That's what I wanted to say, too. Just, <laughs> just holy and exotic. I'm sorry. I just brought too many. What can I do? Point, That's a delightful thing to wear to the Cheesecake Factory. I was like, yeah, that guy brought too many slices. Everyone have one. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So, so the world's largest comedy festival is the hey, uh, French Eddie, comedy let me festival just, in let me just Scotland. Say this. Yeah. Congratulations, sir. You just played yourself because mm-hmm. that would be a great thing to wear. You Go just ahead. got burned. So the world's largest comedy festival is the French festival in scotland yes i've been to fringe yes it's huge right can you speak to it i mean it's like a big thing yeah it lasts the entire month of august it's all Mm -hmm. sorts of things but comedy is the it does have a ton of comedy and it's 24 hours a day you can go to a show 24 hours a day for the entire month of august it is so fun and big deal comics show up it's not just like randos it's like real comics show up so this is why I am furious at this comedy festival and can no oh, longer cool. support it. Um, oh. 2000 people voted on the funniest joke from the comedy festival. I have read all 10, understand about eight of them and zero of them are funny. <laughs> so I'm going to just start from the bottom of the list and give you some of the best. This is what Do I they get to think. explain it if they're Scottish. Uh, no, because I'm just switching. I'm skipping all the Brexit ones. But oh, like, yeah. for example, here's what they thought was the number nine funniest joke. Now, this is the largest comedy festival to be or not to be a horse rider. That is equestrian. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, can't. Oh, I, I agree. agree. That is good. <laughs> right? <laughs> I accidentally booked myself into an escapology course. I'm really struggling to get out of it. No. Right? <laughs> Escapology puns. course. What does that even mean? Oh. This is just puns. Sleep is my favorite. This is number six. Best He's, comedy okay, festival so, in the so, world. Then, okay, like this, is, this is the best material from the best comedy festival right, that attracts right. the best talent in the world. Okay. And yeah, people yeah, yeah. voted. This wasn't just because I was like, okay, if this is some rando list, they're just trying to promote their own people. No. Thousands of people voted on this. Number six, sleep is my favorite thing in the world. It's the reason I get up in the morning. <laughs> I'm a thes- in he's loving it. A thesaurus is, loving. is great. There's no other word for it. Uh, that one's hard. <laughs> that one's hard to love. This is actually the only one that I actually uh, deeply love. A cowboy okay. asked me if I could help him round up 18 cows. I said, yes, of course. That's 20 cows. <laughs> oh, rounding up. <laughs> that was the only one that I actually liked. Um, yeah, there was see, a, I don't like ones you got to think about. I'm sorry. That's a hard pass for me. Yeah, no. So there was one about Brexit and nobody actually understands what Brexit is. But wait, some, read the one about Eaton, because that's very on brand for us talking about uh, having the advantage because of our fathers. Yeah, I fully did not understand. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. I don't even hold on i can't get it which one was the eaton one? Oh yeah here it is number 10 i've got an eaton themed advent calendar where all the doors are open for me by my dad's contacts <laughs> that's really funny you guys it's I, a I don't super even understand rich it. school all the oh. doors are open for me by my dad's contacts oh i didn't no. know eaton was a super rich school 
Yeah, yeah, it's where uh, Prince William even, went to school. Even, th- even though I know that, it's still... I'm so That's I'm a funny it, joke. All the I'm, doors are opened by my dad's contacts, by my dad's friends. That's funny, y'all. It's funny because none of us are laughing. That's how you know it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So let me read number two and number one so we can out. just quit this painful exercise. Number two, someone stole my antidepressants. Whoever they are, I hope they're happy. <laughs> Right, and the number one joke. Cameron uh, is dying. A slow the number death one joke, here. apparently, so in the entire world right now, according to actual people who appear to know comedy. I keep randomly shouting out broccoli and cauliflower. I think I may have florets. It's so bad. It like just florets, <laughs> like Tourette's, it, but florets, like a florette. It, oh, it, it just makes florets. me like not feel it's, bad for not liking British comedy. <laughs> like, like whenever I watch like Monty Python or something, I'm like, am I the only one that doesn't think this is funny? That this is just terrible? Like, I mean, it's funny for a second that they're running like horses galloping and one guy's clapping coconuts together. But that's like most of the movie, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. disheartening that these are the best jokes in the world. It makes me want to go to this <laughs> festival next year and not prepare anything. Do you know what else is great cheesecake. about it? Is the sun, you know, it's the, the sun is the highest uh, because Scotland is so far north mm-hmm. and it's the summer. The sun stays up until almost midnight and then comes back up at like four. And mm. so you can be out and it's super safe and you're like going to all these different shows and it's the best. Well, you know, I think Scotland is the best, but yeah. it's the best. The French yeah. festival is so fun. There's great music. There's great comedians. There's like street magic and all that stuff going on all the time. There Jesse, that's what there you should go, go do is go do street yeah. magic, buddy. Yeah. yeah but their well, street magic, if, if it's anything like their comedy, their street magic <laughs> is just wretched and completely pointless. <laughs> and not entertaining at all. I mean, I yeah. would stop and watch, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Annie, but you're Scottish. You're 100% Scottish. So yeah. what can we do? 100%. <laughs> you are total In Scottish. In my heart. Anyhow, so sorry to put it on blast, but you know, I just had to. It was, yeah. it, it made me too no, angry. I'm glad you did. I'm Public shaming. All right. Public shaming, yeah. That'll do, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Greg Laurie joins us. I can see the sun is shining on your soul, so let's keep To surfaces, the song is Keep It Gold. Greg Laurie is an evangelist, author, and the pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship uh, in Southern California. He just hosted the 30th annual SoCal Harvest Crusade, an event that saw the baptisms of more than 550 people. They fill stadiums. Um, He's also the author of the brand new book, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke with Greg about the book, the importance of evangelism, and more. Here's part of our conversation with Greg Laurie. Yeah, so it was a really good, rich conversation with uh, with Greg Laurie. He's a really interesting guy. And I had a lot of different... I, we, we covered a lot of ground, and I want to give you just a snapshot into a few of the different subjects that we covered. So it's not a super straightforward narrative, but I think it is interesting. The first thing I wanted to know is, 
um, Harvest. This is the the longest standing, the longest lasting evangelistic conference in the United States. Thirty years, very very impressive. And I was really curious about like considering the size, the scope that it's at now. Um, I, I wondered what kind of beginnings it had, what the origin story of it was, and I appreciated the story that he told. So I came and did this little Monday night Bible study, and it sort of exploded. And young people were coming out. Uh, we were overflowing the, the sanctuary and going into an auditorium. And, and you know, we we're having 50 to 70 young people come to Christ every week. And so Chuck had this idea of taking it to a larger venue. Uh, so we did a what he described as a Billy Graham-style crusade at the Pacific Amphitheater, which is a 15,000-seat amphitheater in Costa Mesa. And we overflowed it. We did like four or five nights. We overflowed every night. So we decided the next year to go to the Angel Stadium. And that's where we've been for 30 years. And, you know, I think it's it's amazing because it's the longest running large scale evangelistic event in American history. There's never been an event like this that happens consecutively. And I think one of the reasons it works is because we're in California. And California is such a transient state. We always have Californians moving out and new people coming in. So it's like a perpetual mission field right in front of us. And and when we have people come forward at the invitation to accept Christ, indeed, they're from every state in the United States and from many foreign countries because so many people are visiting California. So it's become something of a phenomena, a Southern California tradition and I guess the most important statistic is over the last 30 years, we've seen 500,000 people come down on the field and make a public profession of faith to follow Christ. Wow. I mean, when you look at the numbers and the impact that uh, Greg and his team is making, it's unbelievable. You know, even I think I mentioned it earlier, even this past weekend at the 30th anniversary, uh, you know, SoCal Harvest Outreach, it was something like over 500 people were baptized there. And it seems like a very kind of old-fashioned style of ministry, right? When you think about people making public professions in these big stadiums, you think of uh, of folks like Billy Graham, Billy Sunday. It, co- it kind of comes from a different era. But, but yeah. Laurie was very, very convinced that it still has a lot of power today. And then these styles of these sort of crusades, these evangelistic outreaches still have a place in modern ministry. Uh, I was also... In addition to this, really interested, and we'll circle back to talking a little more about that, but I was interested in his work as an author. He's become sort of a go-to guy for the spiritual biographies of people with unlikely spiritual stories. Uh, He got his start writing about uh, Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen's own uh, story of coming to faith during his film career. And then after that, he wrote the spiritual biography of uh, somebody that I know means a lot to a lot of people who listen to this podcast, Johnny Cash. And I was really curious about his experiences uh, learning about Johnny Cash and why he felt that Johnny Cash still has a lot of weight and power on today's music scene. And he was of the mind after his research that Johnny Cash actually is better understood by younger generations than the one mm. that he actually came from. Here's what he said. It's sort of like, he, he, you know, to a whole generation of young people, he was like, you know, this voice from the past, this prophet-like figure with these ominous songs about trains and murder and robbery and redemption and forgiveness. You know, he, he just kind of was one of a kind. And, and they seemed to almost understand him better than many of his contemporaries. At that particular phase of his career, country music was going in a new direction. 
and uh, and they kind of didn't have time for Johnny anymore. Uh, they didn't understand his greatness, really. And it was only after he was uh, discovered by the MTV generation and won an MTV Video Award for his song Hurt, a recording of Trent Reznor's song, and, and other songs that he did, that country music sort of rediscovered him and gave him the credit he deserved. It, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, we could we could sit here and talk for a while about Johnny Cash and his music and his <laughs> oh, legacy. Yeah. I, my grandfather, I remember, was a big Johnny Cash fan. But yeah, he's right. Those America albums that he recorded with Rick Rubin, uh, which included his cover of Hurt and a bunch of really great uh, uh, covers and, and originals, really did open up, uh, I feel like, our generation's eyes to his music, but also the man behind it and why spirituality and faith and sort of like this lifelong sort of like prodigal son that he he was, you know, like yeah, he had yeah. different times where he had different struggles in his life, but he always kept coming back. And, uh, you know, I think it's so cool, you know, with this new book he has about Johnny Cash, you really get to see the man behind it. I feel like, you know, after Walk the Line came out, people kind of got genuinely interested in his life. But, you know, that more focused on his like kind of romantic life and 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 his with, with june, june yeah. carter but uh you know with greg looking at his spiritual life it really does put a new context to a lot of his best music yeah and he we've talked a little bit about walk the line and he said he liked it he said it's a good movie but he acknowledged and i think a lot of people who know a lot about the story of johnny cash would agree that the spiritual elements of his life were sort of uh, glanced over and uh, not ignored, but but definitely not given the weight that maybe Johnny himself would have said that they they deserved. And it, it led this led into the 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 final part that I want to share. The last little clip of our conversation, I asked uh, since he's done two of these, is there anybody else he really wants to cover for uh, who'd like to write a spiritual biography of? And he said he is. He's actually already agreed to write another one, and he's working on it as it as it already is. And I was kind of surprised because it comes from a different. It's a little bit left field, given the guys that he covered in the first one. Uh, he's he says he wants to write the biography of Billy Graham, wow. and here's why. Now you might think, well, you know, Johnny Cash and Steve McQueen. Why Billy Graham? Because he wasn't a countercultural figure like those two were. Well, in many ways, he was the ultimate countercultural figure. Because he he uh, broke ground, in, as, uh, especially in his younger days, that and did things that no preacher had ever done before. Uh, you know, he was the first guy to use television. He had a movie studio in the seventies, that you know, producing films that went into <clears throat> theaters around the country. And you know, when we think of Billy, we sort of see his face carved in granite up there in Mount Rushmore, potentially. But but you know, he was a very innovative, creative unusual individual and um we don't really have anyone like him on the scene today yeah it's so you know as he was kind of like pointing to i feel like earlier in the interview talking about evangelism and uh you know kind of this generation's need for it still and that's why we're seeing such uh, a big um response to things like the Mm -hmm. um socal harvest crusade and then you look back at Billy Graham and how he was this innovator and how, you know, evangelism has sort of evolved since the Billy Graham era. But there's a lot of methods that Billy Graham undertook that I feel like could be rediscovered in, in effective ways to, to reach people. 
And I think Laurie would say that he he said that he'd never got to know uh, Steve McQueen or, or Johnny Cash before they passed away. But he and Billy Graham did develop a friendship. And so he's able to write this not only as a researcher, but as somebody who considers himself uh, a personal fan and personal friend of Graham, which will definitely make it a very interesting. I'll be interested to read it because... Uh, Billy Graham is obviously an extraordinarily complicated figure, looms large on the American scene, especially the intersection that we cover here on relevant faith and culture. So finding the the true, the, the correct narrative there, the accurate one, is really important to get it right if we want to continue to get the intersection that we talk about here on relevant, right? So I'm looking forward to the book. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and, and it's so cool to talk to him too, not just about the, the books that he has in motion and not just about evangelism, uh, but especially in the wake of this past weekend when you know, he was able to share that message uh, of hope and redemption with so many people and had such an incredible response. That was Greg Laurie. Stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. Listening to Sampa the Great. The song is Freedom. Now, a little behind the scenes. Annie had an appointment. So she will not be joining us for feedback this week. Please do not hit stop, all you Annie F. Down fans. I promise we will do our best to make this a wonderfully funny segment. Please keep listening. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you, what's the weirdest lie you told as a child? Uh, we got, uh, it was one of the, I think it was one of the questions we asked John Mark McMillan and, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a good one. So we asked you, what's the weirdest lie you told as a child? You guys have been sending these all week. It's been really funny seeing some of these. Uh, you hit us up on Twitter at relevant podcast. And here are a few of our favorites. <laughs> Nicole, this yeah. is, this, this one just seems so observably false, but I like it because <laughs> this is a double layer lie that she has. Yeah. I'm not sure I like the, the, double, lie the doubles. Yeah, because she said that uh, uh, she tried to convince a friend that we had a swimming pool in my backyard that was home to my pet seal. She says, not only did I neither have a pet seal, obviously, I didn't have a swimming pool. Like, you could have just had one of those lies. It would have been a pretty good lie. Like, oh, so, you know, her parents got a swimming pool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, a, a, a pet seal that lives there. Yeah, clearly the pet seal is the lie that your friend wouldn't actually believe. But you doubled down. You didn't have a swimming pool. That's... <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good lie. I love little kid lies. Just the completely pointless, like, what What do you even, why would you even try to do this? Uh, for example, Anna, I remember uh, a big lie from childhood when I used to keep my little brother in line by telling him that pressing a certain sequence of numbers on the VCR remote would instantly send him to Denmark of all places. So sure, we learned about Denmark in school. Let's use that. Denmark. Surprisingly, he believed it for months, if not years. And so I would like to say bravo to, to Anna for coming up with that. And also your brother. Uh, 
kind of a dumb dumb, but I mean, <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> Sarah's man, this this makes me feel sad for Sarah. Uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this because this isn't that big of a lie, but it seems like she had the worst consequences. Like I don't think the seal. Uh, pool person anything bad happened because of that okay i'm gonna read this from sarah so this is that uh, this happened during awana which i think that's like a christian summer camp right no awana was the missionettes of the baptist denomination so okay uh, like royal rangers and missionettes was assemblies of god awana was baptist and it's probably probably a lot nerdier than even you're thinking jesse okay like if you're thinking it's pretty cool it's not Okay, so she's at a very nerdy Baptist church thing. Right. Uh, uh, so she was there. She lived in a rural town in northern Arizona. Um, and each week during the lesson time, they would have a quote-unquote contest to see which student would be the quietest. If you won, you got awarded a candy bar and recognized in front of the group. Wow. One week, I was chosen as the quietest student. And this is her <laughs> Even though I wasn't being quiet during the lesson time and was talking to my friends. I so wanted that candy bar to be recognized that I didn't say anything that I announced that I, when that they had won. That seems like a their problem, not yours. Like if they're awarding you for being quiet and you were checking the whole time, that seems like it's not on you to confess there. She said, when my dad picked me up, I told him I won, even though I had been talking to my friends the whole time. So she's got the little brag to her pops when he rolls in that, hey, get, you're never going to guess what? I got the candy bar for being quiet, even though I was chatted. He looked at her and said, so you lied. <laughs> she said, I was instantly mortified. When we got home, he made me take out the phone book, look up the Awana leader's name and number and call them and confess. No. I was sobbing on the phone because I felt so terrible that I lied at Awana. I don't think I lied for a long time after oh, that. Man. Moral of the story, public shaming works. Yeah, you should I mean, have had to gone to Awana with a sandwich board that told everyone that, that you stole that candy bar, basically, Sarah. But see, it worked. She didn't lie for a long time after that we had someone write that he and a friend uh ran a truck into a ditch at 16 years old hmm. and then uh of course run the truck goes into the ditch and they're trying to figure out what to do and instead of coming home and telling the truth he told his parents that they were run off the road so of hmm. course the parents are like oh no that's so sad and they get they get away with the crime years later his wife uh, they're just sitting around having one of those like adult family conversations. And she says, Oh, remember when they told you that they, you know, that they were, they just drove the car off the road. And apparently the parents did not know that. And so at the, you know, those awkward moments as an adult where you're like, Hey, remember that one time? Apparently they did not know and had just found out as an adult that he was run off, that they basically crashed a car and lied about it, which is sort of one that you're you're not quite laughing about later. You're like, oh, you, well, that was you guys, actually you guys have up. stuff like that, like stuff that you actually got away with and and your parents still don't know. Right. Oh, I, oh. I have tons of stuff. Oh, yeah. Tons. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like at this point, it would only it would only make them like fearful or <laughs> if I told them about some of the stupid stuff we did that they didn't know about. You know, Cameron, do you have that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, I remember yeah. I, the most fear I've ever had in my life was that um, my parents threw me a high school graduation party, like a little dinner and yeah. invited some of my teachers and some oh, of my yeah. some of my teachers came and I've and I had a really good way to keep, you know, separation of church and state. Parents and teachers didn't really know each other, yeah. you know. Yeah. And my my greatest fear was in casual conversation just laughing about Cameron's antics over the last 4 years 
some of my parents would find out about a bunch of stuff, dumb stuff I did at school. Yeah. And I, I mean, all night I'm like on edge. I couldn't even enjoy myself all night. No. I'm just like, please don't talk. You know? Oh yeah. No, that's yeah, a terrible Did scenario, anything actually. come up or did you make it? No, through no, I got through it, but I just like, I literally was like the biggest exhale of my life going home yeah. from that dinner, you know? Yeah. Anyway, because it, it, I would have actually yeah. gotten in trouble. Like as a graduate, I would have gotten in new trouble as an 18 year old. So anyway, <laughs> I was very uh, this one, this one's from Jess. This one, she she should have to wear the sandwich board like at the veterans parade for this one. <laughs> Did you see this one, Eddie? Uh, Jess said that oh, yeah. the biggest lie told us as a kid. OK, first off, you know, the famous it's like a statue of it, of the of the of the American soldiers in World War Two, like, like raising collectively, the flag. Yeah. Hoisting the flag at the battle of iwo jima it's like yeah, a beautiful. famous yeah I, I, iconic moment in american history yeah, I, yeah. beautiful yeah. memorial yeah so yeah. jess decided to tell other people that her grandpa was one of the famous people it was one of the people in that famous flag uh picture Gosh, that, what uh, a strange little lie <laughs> she said to be fair uh her grandfather did f- fight in the battle of iwo jima but he was definitely not in that picture and she said like it wasn't like i was mistaken I knew it was a lie, but somehow being in that picture made her grandfather fighting in Iwo Jima that much cooler. If your grandfather fought in Iwo Jima, that's cool enough. You don't need to spice it up. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. like oh, awesome. 90% of your the way grandfather's there. a hero. Yeah, you, you, like why go and undermine it with the flag thing? Like you already right. had a great story. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed that he fought. Like there's a movie about it. Yeah, Clint Eastwood directed movie about that. I'm impressed. You don't need to go and, and throw a lie in there about the the statue. But yeah, you know. no. But that's the thing about kid lies is like they like they're unnecessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're saying like the the true story is impressive enough. You don't need to add the embellishment, you know, but like the kid mind, like lying that you have a pool is enough of a lie. You don't need to throw in that you have a pet seal that lives in it. You know, I mean, but the, or, the kid mind. Or if you're saying you have a pet seal, I don't need to know he lives like it makes it less believable to think he lives in your backyard swimming pool. Like I would think you have some sort of. A indoor aquarium yeah, situation setup. or, or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me doubt you that you would just have him like in a backyard pool. That <laughs> seems like it's against like city code. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't even think about the the limitations on seal ownership until you <laughs> threw in the pool thing. Like either were pretty believable up to that point, you know. Oh man. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Go check them out on our Twitter feed. Uh they're pretty funny. Uh, okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, earlier on the show, we got talking about Jesse's proclivity for breaking the ice with celebrities. Right. That's right. His, his, his talent, his cheesecake. He just he knows how to make him, you know, to make a celebrity comfortable. That's right. right. I, I make I make a lot of people feel very comfortable. And it's it's all about what's one of the main things about you your ability to make other people feel comfortable. <laughs> uh, it's got us thinking about, cele- you know, spotting celebrities out in the wild. Uh, we want to know the stories of those of you who have gone up and broken the ice and had an interaction with those celebrities you've seen out in the wild. I'm primarily interested in the ones that didn't go all that well. But yeah. uh, uh, we- so that's the question of the week. Uh, tell us your most memorable or awkward celebrity encounter stories. Now we do not want any answers of one time I saw Regis getting into a cab. 
That's no, not what we're talking very, about. Very, very. You boring. got into the cab with Regis. There's your story. Okay, right, so yeah. yeah, we want to know the actual interaction stories of celebrities out in the wild. Did you do anything creative to break the ice? How did it go? We want to know. Hit us up yeah. on Twitter at Relevant like Podcast, one. or you can post your longer stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. I I have one, and I'm I'm like hesitant to tell this one, but it's kind of it's it's very awkward. Um, I was on a plane one time. Yeah, and see, and and I always chat with people on. I you guys know this about oh, me. Right? It's, the worst, chatty it's the worst thing about you. It is. I I was chatting with the person next to me, and it was it was a, it was a woman, and and we were just you know going back and forth, and um, you know, she was like, "Oh, where are you headed?" And I was like, "Oh, heading 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 back home." And uh, yeah, I can't remember even what the context of the trip. You're was. going so from LA to Virginia Beach, right? She yeah yeah it was from LA. Have I told you this story before, Cameron? Many many times. I know exactly where it's going, and it's worth sharing. Yep. I so so we're we're just chit chatting back and forth, and I said, "Oh, where are you headed?" She goes, "Well, you know, it's a funny story. I uh, I uh, am I, you know, there's this contest going on, and I you know, someone could like win a date with me, and I'm going to meet this person. They want a contest to win a date with me. I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's pretty neat." I was like, uh, uh, you know, what, what, who put on the contest? And she was like, oh, well, I'm actually on the cover of a magazine right now, and she pulled out in in the seat in front of me a playboy magazine with her on the cover of it and <laughs> yikes uh, and she was like so this is what i do i'm a model and i was like and then she was like what do you do and i was like well you know what i work for a magazine too funny story <laughs> yeah it's a little different in scope it's than a little yours. different yeah it's, it's you know i think our, our our readership may be a little different and this is literally what she said to me she's like oh because she was a little bit older than me at the time and this is literally what she said after she goes, oh, I'm so relieved to hear that because the guy that won a date with me is about your age. And I was worried it was going to be pretty awkward. But you seem like a nice enough guy. Like I was setting her mind at ease in that moment. That it was be- it, because a reader of Playboy who is your age is your age. He's going to be a normal dude. Yeah, exactly. It just set her mind at ease. I'll say this. The re- the the flight from LA to the East Coast is a long one. When you're sitting next to someone and you just had that interaction, it gets much much longer. Uh, much. But uh, but hey, I, <laughs> as far as I know, the date went great. So um, so yeah, you never know who you're going to meet when you strike up conversation. It was a hard pass when she offered to autograph that copy of the magazine and give it to you. Like, <laughs> she did yeah. offer me an, a copy of it. And I yeah. didn't want to be rude. I was like, ah, oh, no thanks. I don't got I don't got room in my bag for that. Yeah, l- I- l- let me actually give you a copy of relevance. <laughs> yeah, uh, what did you? You take mine. We'll trade you straight off. Yeah. So, <laughs> dear Lord. Like swapping yeah. pins. Yeah. All right. So it is up on Twitter at Roland Podcast. Well, many thanks to Greg Laurie for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Laurie and make sure to check out his new book on Johnny Cash. It's out now. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, while you're in your little podcast app there, check out our other podcasts. We are bringing you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture every weekday with our podcast, Relevant Daily. It's about 10 minutes long, keeps you in the know. And also our long form uh, interview podcast, Unedited with Cameron Strang. Check it out. Uh, my guest this week is our friend Propaganda. Uh, we talk yeah. about a lot of interesting stuff. We solved racism in America. I'll just tell you that right now. All done. All done. Just listen to it. Everybody listen to it and we'll be good. Prop is the best. We love he him, is. don't we? I yeah, mean, he's just do. a good person. Yep. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Now watch this. This will be the magic of editing. I told you at the beginning of this, this segment that Annie had to step away. Watch what happens. Watch. 
I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Annie F. Downs. What? Wow. Mind blown, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. This is why I always, 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 always am carrying around a slice of cheesecake. Relevant Podcast Network.